1: Welcome to Our Lady of perpetual compassion it's time for go to, to go to church <laughs> today is <laughs> time for the rotation Let's jump on in, in my soul in my heart Why is that happening? Well, I got to tell you, we are off to such a good start. (laughs) Kano sounds like Darth Vader. I'm sitting there with my cough, and I haven't even dabbed.
0: (laughs) I'm just really high, and well, that's not unusual. Yeah, but But, you know,
1: it messes everything up sometimes. Well, let's get a sense of geography. Here we are. They're cleaning up from the the uh, the, uh, Pride Parade yesterday over in Ebor, and we are at one seven one four. West 7th Avenue in Ybor City, where it all began, at the the Chillum CBD Dispensary and Glass Gallery. And we are here to talk about cannabis and the law and the culture and everything that comes with us, the masters of cannabis. I am Gary Stein, the political director and master of public health. Uh, Below (laughs) me here, we have from beautiful Anne Arundel County over in Maryland, our executive director, Christopher, not Carlos, Christopher Cano. I got it right this time.
2: (laughs) Thank you, Gary.
1: Above the beltway and hitting him below the beltway as we talk about DC. And we will in just a moment. And of course, my co host, who has done more RSO this morning than most people do in their lifetime.
0: (laughs) That's how I live.
1: Carlos Angel Jose Amida.
0: Yes, it's me. Thank you very much. Hi, everybody.
1: Now, we, we have a special guest coming today, and they haven't got here yet. But that, I guess, is fashionably late because this person is in Congress.
0: It's, yeah, that's that's what politicians do, right? Like, do when we say that? The politicians always are late?
1: Absolutely. Or are they ghostists? It, it politicians does, you know,
2: are like we, wizards. They're never late. They arrive precisely when they mean to.
1: <laughs> but some wizards actually live backwards in time, like Merlin. So she may have already gotten here, and we don't even know it.
2: You're
0: just, a,
1: you're just an old nerd, aren't you, there, Gary? I am a total nerd. It's just nerd alert out there, and all that's all there is to it. Me too. Me too. Me too. Well, anyways, I, I wanted to get a little bit in, into uh, what's going on over there in Eastern Europe because I I have re- my relatives still over in Kiev and things of that sort. You guys, you uh, obviously your your family's uh, escaped from. Uh, <clears throat> from that kind of issue, uh, with, uh, PDL Castro and well, the Bolsheviks kind of kicked out my relatives. So we were, we were all kind of like floating around. We were all basically, uh, second generation, second generation refugees. And this country is stronger because of the refugees that have come here. Mm-hmm. I just want to and, point
2: out Gary, my family were just regular immigrants. They weren't refugees. <laughs> they, were okay. just, they were just poor people coming here to try and make a difference. <laughs>
1: Well, considering the fact that they're they're not driving 57 Chevys right now, I think they're they're better off now than they could have been if they just hung around.
2: When I went to Cuba, I rode around in a 53 Opal, and it had no headlights. It had no taillights. He didn't have his papers up to date. All we had was a fire extinguisher in the car, and that was very (laughs) concerning that's what okay so
1: so here's the thing like those self-laved motor blocks
0: those cars in cuba are like really popular because they have like these metal working shops that they put like they're they're freaking engineers there. like they they seriously make their own car parts out of metal there and refurbish their cars right um so i'm wondering there's got to be a grow room somewhere in cuba like, what are the technological advances that they have in their grow rooms? It's got to be so cool. Well, they also have
1: hypersonic attacks, apparently. I wonder, I wonder if, like, they grow weed out of cars in Cuba. Oh, no, you can't use cars for planters. That's They have to be on the road, even if they can't drive.
0: Well, you, you, <laughs> you don't know Cubans, then, because Cubans can do anything.
1: Cubans, you mean those are those, the sandwiches with the salami? I hate you.
0: <laughs> only, so only fresh. in Tampa
2: can you get a Cuban with a salami on it. Only in Tampa,
0: and only in Tampa did Tampa
1: invent the Cuban sandwich. Now, <laughs> now, I, I, I hear that we are going to have some Cuban, uh, some U- Ukrainian refugees coming to this country, and I often I tell folks, you know, if you have a way you can get them supplies right now, uh, a lot of them are, are hanging out in Poland right now. Uh, but they, they, they need your help, and they might need a place to stay once they get here. So keep that in mind, because this war is not over yet. Hopefully, it will be soon. But uh, it's it's pretty tragic.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I gotta ask, did y'all see that interview of that guy uh, in Ukraine? They're interviewing him, and and he was like, they asked him, "How are you doing, sir?" And you know, you know, it's a very rucky time. He's like, "I'm doing just fine." 420 legalized? it. you like cannabis?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Now, I don't know. A lot of folks don't realize this, but a lot of, it, it, before the Farm Act, before we, we only had imported CBD from hemp as a, as what, what was legal, a lot of that was coming from Ukraine and from Russia and also from China as well. And the, 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 the primo isolate was coming from Ukraine. So Ukrainians like to get down, like they, they like to smoke.
0: Is that what you're trying to say?
2: Uh, that's gr- at the point here well the for for many many centuries russia was the center of of industrial hemp production that's correct most, oh, really? most, most people don't realize but the uh war of 1812 the way the mm. u.s got roped into it it was a, a bigger conflict of the napoleonic wars and there was uh you know a pacific embargo against russian hemp uh by the english Um, Because they wanted to cut off Napoleon's supply, you know, uh, uh, of being able to field a a massive Navy and invade other countries. And and the U.S. sailors were essentially, you know, stopped by the British. And they were basically saying, hey, you can either help, you know, smuggle uh, this Russian hemp forest or you can get pressed into the British Navy. These are things they don't teach you in an eighth grade history book. But, you know, the, the war of
1: 1812 was essentially a war over weed, Russian weed. That's right, because because there was they were using it for the ropes for all the navies and for all the sails when, when they made raven's cloth, and of course even the paper and the books for the for the bibles and the ships, everything was made out of hemp, and a lot of it came out of Russia. In fact, Napoleon attacked Russia because of the fact he was angry at the fact that they were actually sneaking it to the English. So. We, we, we we've dealt with this kind of thing for years, and cannabis was the issue. I almost wish cannabis was the issue this time, because right now, well, be honest with you, this war makes no fucking sense to me. None whatsoever, other than the fact that uh, Putin wants to just uh, knock things out and change things back to where the way we were back before 19, uh, 1990. And by the way, all those guys on the web who keep on saying, hey, go back to communist Russia. There is no communist Russia right now. It's a it's a democratically well somewhat <laughs> operating country and we haven't had communism since 1990 so stop saying that.
0: Well, I mean, I it's surprising that you guys haven't talked about that that Britney basketball player yet. So I think that
1: that's the the huge story going on with Russia right now. Well, this is this is Ebor Pride. So why don't you break, why don't you lead into that?
0: Um, well, what was her, her what's her last name? I'm coming Brit- up Britney Griner. Brittany Griner, right? Brittany Griner, uh, apparently she – so she's she plays in the WNBA, but uh, apparently the WNBA is like a, a hobby to this woman. Apparently, like, the way she makes most of her money is playing overseas in Europe. A lot of um,
2: WNBA players like that. You know, the, the franchises yeah. are so poorly subsidized that, you know, the attendance is low in many ways. So you're not going to become a millionaire – uh, you know, eating. So, uh, you know, in the off season, you have these these, you know, rich oil sheiks in the Middle East, you have uh, these rich Russian oligarchs that own teams and they they want these U.S. basketball players to play for them in the off season.
0: Yeah. And apparently uh, Brittany Griner um, understands that CBD can help her, um, you know, uh, recover from from her physical training and, and all the issues that, that come with putting her body on the line uh, to entertain so many people. And uh, she had a CDV. Yeah, just the anxiety alone of producing a crowd of a whole bunch of people, you know? Look look at how much RSO I have to eat to get on the show.
1: (laughs) But no. um, Are you you telling me that you (laughs) have to have RSO to be able to handle Chris and myself? Um,
0: You know, it's just general (laughs) life at this point. Like, you know, and you guys are just part of my life.
1: (laughs) <laughs> and you can't handle your life without RSL. But SM.
0: especially on Sunday mornings, for some reason, I just got to come, come in really, really stumped.
1: Okay, well, we did just get a message from uh, from Cameron, who is a spe- the uh, scheduler for our guest today. It says, hey, Gary, so sorry. Uh, just checked in with the team. Apparently, we had an incident with the Capitol Police this morning responding to a threat. Oh. Apparent- uh, any chance we can push this back a bit? I've asked how far because I always ask how far uh-huh. and <laughs> for a lot of reasons. Uh, and he said, they said like, Gary, how far are you going to take this? Anyways. Uh, and he <laughs> says, stand by checking. So we're, we're going to continue riffing for a while here until well, we, till we find out what is going on at the Capitol, why the Capitol police responded to it and what it had to do with anything that uh, may have possibly endangered our government. But hopefully Everything is going to be straight. I hope there isn't another capital, right? Well, we do have uh, we we do have uh, on deck here, Congresswoman Nancy Mace, who uh, <clears throat> is a lady who was born in Fort Bragg. She was the very first female graduate. Uh, she did what, what Shannon Fault couldn't do, and that is make it all the way through the Citadel and graduated magna cum laude back in 1999. And then she was in the South Carolina uh, government. And in House representatives, and now she's in the U.S. House of Government of of, of, uh, of representatives, and has a bill to for the legalization of cannabis, which we are going to be discussing. And she just came back from Poland, by the way. Uh, she was part of that group that w- that was the uh, the preemptive force that came in before uh, Biden came in to go ahead and, and go with, with his thing to find out what was going on and what what they could possibly do for all the refugees that are in Poland right now. Poland's an interesting place because they they were communists, for those people who don't remember history. And then uh, they, after 1990, uh, they went to a democratic society. And and, and they left the Warsaw Pact, which they were a major part of, which was the anti-NATO, for those people who don't remember that. And uh, now they are there taking in the most amount of refugees of any other country in Europe right now. And I'm usually not, not a, major, a major pro-Poland person. They did kind of let Hitler in, and they did kind of put uh, concentration camps mostly in Poland. Uh, mm-hmm. And they were okay with that for some odd reason. But mead comes from Poland. I always love mead. That's honey wine. Mm-hmm. But uh, beyond that, oh, yeah. And I, I have a couple of words in Poland Polish that I know from being in Detroit, where Hamtramck is, one of the largest Polish uh, enclaves in the, in the country. Schmachna means delicious. For those people who don't know. (laughs) And that's about as as far as my Polish goes. But uh, apparently she went to Poland and she was going to give us a little bit of loadout on that. And hopefully we will get a response back here uh, on what is going on with that. But go ahead with with Miss Greiner. She is in prison right now. And what is the reasons?
0: Um, She had a CBD vape pen. (laughs)
1: <laughs> she the had Cannabis CD vape is, pen is highly and, uh,
2: illegal in Russia because if you think about yeah. it, anything that you smoke that gets you to question the authority and the politics of your country definitely is, you know, getting cracked down on.
0: <laughs> and Even if there's less than 0.3% THC in the vape pen. I mean, you um, could
1: be smoking the, catnip, but you'd you, still have right? a reason to to question the authority in Russia right now. But it is interesting, like I mentioned before, that, that, that most of the isolate for the last decade was coming out of Ukraine and Russia. Mm. And a lot of it came out of Russia. I mean they put a lot of money into what is now Curleaf, which now supposedly has divested themselves completely of Russia, so they say, in, in all of the, uh, all, all the publicity out there. But for her to be going through checkpoints and the airport where she has played with the WNBA in Russia for four years now – uh, for, what, $250,000 a year she gets, or is, it, or is it a million a year? I don't know. Uh, but so, so she's been to Russia quite a few times before. She's been for the, for the last four years. But this particular time, this particular point in history, they decide that because she has a CBD vape pen on her, they're going to throw her in jail. And it doesn't help the fact that she happens to be LGBTQ. And I'll let you guess which one of those letters she is. But... Uh, <laughs> But the fact is, there's no reason for her to be in jail right now. There's no reason for her to be having to wait for as long as she has for trial. I mean, we all know what's happened, what happened to Navalny. All he does is sit in prison, and get more more sentencing without actually having any due process. I have a terrible feeling this is going to be happening with Ms. Reiner, too, unless we do something about it. And I'm hoping our government will do something about that and and, and get her out of there. And for all those good folks who have come, who have uh, Contact, uh, commented to us on our Facebook page about how she should stay there because she was hanging with the commies. Well, there you go. Because that pretty much explains the, nah, the, the veracity uh, of those na- of those comments.
0: Yeah, there's like because I don't put she kneeled holes. down <laughs> during the national anthem, she should stay in Russia. Bet she wishes she was free now. Bet she wishes she stood. This is so stupid.
1: Yeah, and was was, was it Kelly who, who said on the web post, who said, you know, the anthem is just a song, right?
0: Uh, I'm going to take off these comments because this guy is just
1: oh, Is, Where, is, is yeah. he on? A, is he on there again?
0: Yeah, he's he's, <laughs> he's 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 talking shit about lesbians and stuff like that.
1: Like that's yeah. Uh, well, you, maybe you want to leave him up so that people can go ahead and contact him and, and set him straight. Him. Nah, he's got some this, code this, I mean, name or something. That's the like thing that. about Facebook is that it's a two way conversation. I spent the last <laughs> no, two no. Years th- these
2: comments are coming in from YouTube. These aren't coming in. Yeah, from that was a
1: YouTube comment. A YouTube, YouTube comment. Yeah. YouTube,
2: YouTube still allows you to to have like anonymous usernames. Facebook, you gotta ah. you gotta make a fake name. So
1: YouTube, the bastion of information in this country. If you want to see an expert. Find one on YouTube, right? Oh, man, you can find such amazing stuff on YouTube. On YouTube, they'll tell you that the world is secretly
2: run by a cabal of interdimensional lizard people wearing human skin and that it's really flat and, you know, and that, that every single piece of our scientific uh, uh, edifice is, is all to, to keep us brainwashed. And while maybe there might be slivers of truth in all of that stuff the fact is, is there's some pretty crazy outlandish things so now i understand when i was you know growing up through middle school and high school why they would always tell us you know don't trust everything you see on the internet as a reliable source you know do your research properly document it properly you know now i, I, I always had beef with those professors and teachers are like don't go to wikipedia you know that's not reliable but truth is wikipedia actually has some solid sources it's not like when you go to youtube you know yeah they really like check
0: like actually Wikipedia I think is like one of the last true baskets of professionalism on the internet because it's people just checking each other's work and yeah. I'm like, yeah it's the so, most
1: peer-reviewed thing you got out there right
0: yeah well yeah.
1: here's how I use Wikipedia I, I look at the, the article I read it and then I go to the references at the bottom and I check the references and I actually read the references as opposed yeah, to the article exactly. itself you got to, yeah, because it, that that in itself is kind of like it's its own Dewey Decimal card catalog right there at the bottom of every page. Yeah, well, I, for I, those people who remember yeah. the Dewey Decimal system, and for people who actually used to use libraries. I'm kind of old G. Yeah. You know, it, it seems to like Nora
2: it. from uh, Villa Madonna, she taught me how to use the the, the Dewey Decimal system back when I was like. Now, I do wonder that
1: <laughs> if we had YouTube back in the 50s and 60s, would be would they be the ones broadcasting the fact that nine out of 10 doctors love Chesterfield for those doctors who smoke.
2: <laughs> you know, it's so important. Gary, I went to the Smithsonian with my mom and my wife a couple of years back and we saw in the uh, Museum of American History an entire section of cigarette advertisements that say like nine out of ten doctors recommend Camels, you know, and, and there was one with Ronald Reagan on the picture. You're know, advertising, you know, smoke Virginia Slims.
1: Yeah, fight socialism. Smoke Virginia Slims.
2: There you go. <laughs> our country, uh, in our culture, is definitely, that's, that's a fake thing.
1: That's a real thing.
2: You know, we, we, at we're at something least else. We're something else. <laughs> You know, you know, um, we were just talking about Wikipedia and references. One of the things that I found interesting was the, the Schaefer drug library. If you've ever been online there, they have a lot of amazing reference material for you to go back and check. And it, um, it just so happens that we're coming up on 50 years of uh, in this past, you know, a week that the That's national right. commission on marijuana and drug abuse, also known as the Schaefer commission. Uh, was was called to order. It is the first to date only Blue Ribbon Committee ever appointed to make recommendations on federal cannabis policy. This was 50 years ago. And it advised Congress to amend the federal law so that personal use and possession of the plant would no longer be treated as a criminal offense. And it added that the state legislatures should also do likewise. And here we are 50 years later, those findings have been buried. Uh, they were buried by the Nixon administration. They were buried by the, you know, the the uh, reagan administration and we have seen uh both republican and democratic presidential administrations uh you know very hypocritical uh when it comes to you know uh cannabis policy you see george bush bill clinton obama all cannabis users and and we really didn't see any federal movement you know what i can say is that uh, you know under obama we did see you know this this hands-off approach let the states do it And, you know, so far what we have here is a hodgepodge of, you know, over, you know, uh three you know two-thirds of the country you know has legal cannabis but there still are holdouts and even in areas where they have medical use it is still very limited like in georgia uh mississippi you know uh we're starting to get towards that area of where yes. it's being accepted as a medicine i mean in south dakota the they, they fought to legalize it and their their government uh their governor the supreme court worked to overturn it but it in a positive step, you know, you take two steps back, one step forward. Uh, this week, South Dakota's governor did sign legislation that allows for a limited home grow rights for patients. So patients in South Dakota can now grow four plants, two veg and two flowering. And I mean, at least that's something.
0: I never thought I'd see the day where South Dakota
1: was more advanced than Florida. Now, speaking of, of uh straight sure. up uh, of state issues and and, and Florida issues. Uh, A particular uh, merger happened this last week. Actually, we got a notice of it, and that is that Cresco Labs, who just recently uh, bought Bluma Industries, which used to be one plant, which used to be three boys, which uh, just decided that they were going to go ahead and buy Columbia Care. Columbia Care being one of the biggest multi-state operators in the country, and by merging those together, they make themselves number two in the country. And what they said they are gonna have to do in Florida because they have a large footprint in Florida is that because of the fact that Cresco happens to own one plant already, uh, which, is, which is now side. Asterisk. God knows why. Jeez, how do these
0: these names change? Way too much.
1: Well, because these, that... these companies keep getting bought out, and these these uh
2: bi- these uh, licenses keep getting flipped. I'm glad Gary is you know has been here on the ground from the get go, so he understands how he got yeah. from the original five to the twenty two to these hands changing. But how do you keep track of all this and stuff? We're, Gary? we're
1: supposed to be expanding, but in fact, the the market is contracting. Because when when, when truly absorbed, harvest in, far, in, in part to get back at Mark Mazel over there in, in Gainesville, it's monopolizing. They 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 absorbed harvest and they spit that license out, and they and Planet Thirteen bought it. Now Planet Thirteen is not going to be built out for at least another year year and a half. What that means is instead of having twenty two licenses. That that uh, that could possibly be operating at scale. One more of them went from a a operating at scale operation back down, busted down to being starting from scratch again. One less company comp- competing for the business here in Florida. This is what's going to happen again. This now it's not supposed to happen till the fourth quarter of two thousand twenty-two, but the fact is, Cresco wants to absorb Columbia Care, now known as Cannabis. And, of course, they're going to take all of the assets that cannabis belongs to, their grows, their stores, and everything, and all make that into Cresco Lab stuff, which, which is now Sunnyside asterisk, and uh, <clears throat> spit out that license and probably sell it off to the, to the highest uh, bidder, which means, once again, a full competitor competing at scale is going to be knocked down to nothing again. And, again, this, the market contracts. And this is a $2 billion all-stock deal. So no money has even changed hands.
2: So we have to ask: Is this so? So, so Gary, is this the market self-correcting? Is this free enterprise, or is this? The big players having enough money to buy out other players. You know that's where we got to look at. That is, is, is this an oligarchy developing? Is this the Gilded Age of cannabis in front of our eyes, or no. is this, or is this capitalism doing what it's supposed to do? What it
0: looks like to me, it's it's an oligarchy forming a monopoly. That's what it looks like to me. This isn't free enterprise. This is this is straight up like imperialism. You know what I mean? <laughs> Dun, 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 dun,
1: dun. Okay, I, get I, got, I got another message here from uh, from uh, Congresswoman makes his, uh scheduler saying, apologize for this, not getting much from our team with her now. I think they're coordinating right now with the local PD and just waiting on a response to give her to give us a time. I'm unfortunately not with him in the district at this moment because he's right now, I believe, in Charleston. So we're going to keep that on hold. But in the meantime, I think we do have a very important topic we're talking about right now, and that is multi-state organizations. Now, each state right now has their own crazy quilt of laws. So basically, in California, it actually goes down to the county where you have a whole have a whole plethora of different counties having different laws, but here we have different states having different laws, and you, of course you can't cross state lines with product. Although they are working on that right now in Oregon because right now they have been so overproducing uh, product. They have like three pounds per Organian, if you can call that them, uh, and so they, they've got to get that stuff out of the state in order yeah. to have it not just fall away.
2: I mean, I've heard that even on their black market in Oregon, pounds are going for as low as $500. Like, they just have a glut of of supply in that state.
1: Exactly. Now, what would happen if we had interstate commerce? Well, Congresswoman Mace's bill, one of the things it does, of course, is we're talking about federal legalization. We're talking about taking cannabis off of the, uh, the controlled substance list that was created in 1970, Happy Birthday, Controlled Substance Act. Oh, actually, the, the the Schaefer edition, which which came out in the, the year after that, and uh, <clears throat> so if we have we have multi-state organizations right now because everybody has to have their own organization set up in each individual state, and so each of these guys have footprints in like I think Columbia Care has footprints in eighteen different states, and uh, Cresco Leaf has footprints in ten states. And they are going to merge them all together in the states that they can. But in Florida, we have this cute little law which says that if you are a license owner, you can't own any more than five percent of another license. So therefore, you can't own two full licenses. But what you can do is what they are doing, and that is that absorbing that license and spitting out the license. So you again, you, you knock out a competitor for at least the next year, a year and a half, where we're all still trying to figure it out. Now, last week, last week was the was the was the application window. For the Pigford license, now in keep in, in my investigation in Tallahassee, as of Wednesday, there was not a single application put in, and that's interesting considering all of the haranguing has been going on in regards to the Pigford license and the fact that it has twice the application fee that the other le- people had to deal with, and the fact that the people who are eligible, because of the fact they're they're members of the Pigford class, which was in the night which, which was a uh, lawsuit in the 1990s, are actually approaching to the age of way past retirement. And so basically, you have a lot of folks in their 70s and 80s that are eligible with their with their family businesses, and they don't have actually the money to build up a vertically integrated company. So they have to actually borrow as much as $40 million from other entities, very possibly oh, wow. non-minority entities. And a lot of them are, are not just getting stock or, or money, but they're also getting debt. They're, they're basically buying promissory notes from these guys so they can have enough money to be able to Get, it, get their application in and if they win then be able to build out totally to buy the real estate to buy uh, all the cultivation equipment to buy the dispensaries and things of that sort and that means that if they miss one payment or two payments it, the, the, the company could revert to the people who are financing them in the first place
0: yo like I I normally don't identify with this type of thing but like yo like it's like I had the idea the other day that I'm finally gonna get licensed to sell marijuana in Florida. When I fucking die, and that's what's gonna happen with these people.
1: <laughs> okay, then we, we're, we're gonna have to put that's out a sad. bill that that, that yeah. regulates post mortem licenses.
0: Jesus <laughs> Christ! Man.
2: No, I yeah. mean you gotta I think. think we we call been,
1: them zombie licenses. I don't, we've don't
0: been know.
2: Been we in, in, about do? social equity, about fighting. You know, you know. The the, the whole point is that there are disparate numbers of African-American and Latinos that go to jail for cannabis possession. And yet you have white Wall Street businessmen and bankers that are now making billions and billions on this industry while those same folks are still incarcerated. I mean, Richard DeLisi was in jail, you know, just recently, we had him on the show, uh, you know, up until what, last December. And, you know, so there are still people serving, you know, five, 10, 15, 20, 30 plus year sentences for, for, for touching this product in some type of way. You know, Brittany Grater has been, what, detained now for, what, almost three three months in Russia, you know? It, 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 so so the fact is that if folks can make money on this, and if the state can tax it and pay their bills by, or by taxing weed sales, why are we not emptying out the prisons? And why are those same groups that have been disparately affected by the war on drugs not able to get into this industry? And that's that's the issue that we have in front of us. And what you're saying, Gary, is now the state has realized that oh, we messed up. We need to create a license so that people can get into this industry. And not only are we going to create it and make it make folks jump through hoops, but we're also going to increase or triple the application fee that the original five uh, paid.
1: And so now let's remember that 2017 uh, was when was the year that we went ahead and and uh, created the bill that basically stated they had to start giving out licenses. And so we're, we're, we're approaching what the, uh, the, the four-year anniversary of when they were actually supposed to have done what they're doing this week. Yeah. So, and, and just to, to put things in perspective, I did a, a Freedom of, of Information Act request for the OMMU back in 2018 on how many licenses they were actually giving out, and I'm sorry, how many medical cards they were giving out because the, the numbers didn't add up. And I asked them for, uh, for for three three sample days. I just got a notice this last week saying they're working on my my request from 2018, and they need to know over the next 20 days if I still want it, because if not, they're going to stop looking.
2: Well, Gary, you remember that call we had with the OMMU in Tallahassee Normal uh, a couple with months ago Yeah, yeah. I mean those b counters in the omu couldn't even answer my questions adequately or or when they got a difficult question they would they would blame it on the politicians and legislature i feel as though the omu is one of the most dysfunctional and 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 poorly staffed agencies in florida and governor desantis i think you know i don't know if it's if it's been by negligence or or has it been by design but he screwed the pooch when it has come to the Department of Health and rolling down and properly executing Florida's medical marijuana system. Like everybody wanted to pat him on the back for doing a a, a, a press conference with John Morgan and Matt Gates. Maybe in hindsight he shouldn't, but, you know, about, about uh, pushing forward with smokeable flour. But the fact is, is that he hasn't done jack shit for us since then. So, you know, when it comes to this upcoming election here in 2022 in Florida, you gotta take a look and be like, do we wanna move forward with a governor who has done jack shit to improve this system? He didn't even chide his party for shouting down the reforms that we've put up in the legislature. I mean, they didn't even take a vote on it, Gary. They shouted it down uh, on the House floor a few weeks back. And then they laughed yes. about it. You know, the the the, the, the infuriatingness that I have. So, I, and I don't want to direct that towards our guest later. I mean, she's not part of the Florida Republican Party. She's a Republican from South Carolina. But for those of you here in Florida, those of you Florida voters, the Florida Republican Party does not give two flying fucks
1: about patience.
0: Yeah, they don't because of the trade odor that DeSantis was talking about.
1: Although, I'll be honest with you, I would really like to see a flying fuck. I'm just saying <laughs> that it, that would be an experience that I would not forget in my lifetime. But that's besides the fight. That's a, the a point. That, that you don't want really to see on Pornhub anyway. But, and, and we're not on Pornhub, from what I understand anymore, right? They, they, they blocked us for not being, not being <sighs> filthy enough. Is that what it was?
2: <laughs> we never broadcasted Don't, a rotation on Pornhub, Gary. What are you
0: talking about? <laughs> we, uh, but on a, See, on I, a related I, I won't tie note You, you can't this. listen to us on Facebook now.
2: Yes, we do have yep. on you know, Facebook. We're but on Spotify. Never on Pornhub.
0: Never on Pornhub. We were never on
1: Pornhub.
2: <laughs> we we're on <laughs> iTunes. Gary Spotify. was
0: back in his younger days.
2: Now there,
1: <laughs> there are there are conferences in South Florida once every year or used so. Used to call Gary well,
2: they, Detroit Dan back in the day.
1: Yeah, Detroit Dan.
0: Yeah. it's like if you go to Pornhub and Google or or type in Detroit Dan, you know, you yeah. get you get Gary on there.
1: <laughs> or or, or, Not or normal Gary. Or, or white Gary. Jew Gary, I think is the other, <laughs> other name that they possibly could name me. <laughs> I, I I prefer the total uh, the, the title. I am the official token Jew. That that works for me. <laughs> No, you said and I, that in uh, the Tommy Chong thing? And yeah, like, he loved that. He, he
0: like, was like, whoa, this guy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> this guy, this guy. No, and, then, and then remember I was venting before Tommy came on the show, and I was like, these Republican cocksuckers. And then Tommy goes, cocksuckers? Whoa, what are we talking about? What did I just jump into?
1: Yeah, he just logged on, and the very first word that he heard was Kato putting out that epithet. And coming from him when he said, whoa, what's going on now? All I heard was cocksucker. And coming from Tommy, it was hilarious. <laughs>
2: you know, it, it, you know, and
1: I use that word Second freely. Second only to, to Chris saying it.
2: I use that word <laughs> freely. It almost got kicked out of the Democratic Party for using that epithet and referring to Kim Kardashian and Hillary Clinton <clears throat> in the same sentence. But, you know, uh-huh. it, it is what it is. I mean, uh, Kim is who she is. She's famous for what she's famous for. Get, get off my back about it. Jesus Christ. Famous <laughs> for being famous. She,
1: she's the Eva Gabor of our days, you know, Jaja Gabor. So. Famous for being famous.
2: I don't know, uh, I really like uh, pre kardashian Kanye. Uh, you know people would like to say Kanye has mental health issues, but you know I, I don't know uh, he, was, he was I a- did
1: hear that Kim Kardashian was arrested for smoking Kush on the beach. Really So well, maybe that I didn't know that. I know Kanye so- well some of these rich folks they think they can get away with anything. The fact is we don't have public use in most of our states right now, and we don't have uh, consumption lounges. Well, I Gary, think, uh, I'm glad we you have to we up. approach that one of these days.
2: Because we were talking about Brittany, and and I think part of it is that you know when you have money, you know even if you're not rich, you just you can be a middle class person in America. You have the money to actually go into a dispensary and buy stuff, right? Or you have the money to actually be able to forge your cannabis and not not break the bank. You're not someone who's like, oh, let me get an A's. You're someone who can buy an ounce, you know, and you you use cannabis regularly, you use it freely, you don't get harassed you live your life 99% of the time in that free, you get conditioned to thinking it's okay. Sometimes, you don't. you don't have that, that uh, paranoia, if you will. And and I think that's part of it is that, you know, you just had a vape pen in your bag, you know, you didn't go the extra step to store it, you know, in your underwear, when you're going through the checkpoint, you know, it's, yeah. it's not like the old days where you have to uh, uh, put a nickel bag under your nutsack to get it on the airplane.
0: Okay. And then all of a sudden you're in jail and your whole country forgets about you. Okay, or, here's or
2: even worse, they say that like Lisa Leslie mentioned that they were brief. The WNBA said don't talk about Britney cuz we don't want her to become a political pawn. So your own government is stamping it down and not even addressing it. And that's crazy.
1: Okay, she doesn't they don't want her to become a political pawn even though so far she's been used as a political pawn. I mean, I doubt it's the first time that she tried to bring a CBD vape pen into the country. I doubt that. After four years working, well, that's,
2: that's what I was saying. I'm pretty sure she was comfortable. This is a regular thing. Yeah, there's my vape pen. Probably had it in her check on bag right there. Like it's nothing special. It's a vape pen, right?
1: And, right. And it, oh, we, we got a new message back here. It says, "Okay, here's what we got. Uh, the the police department is saying that they will be clear by 12:30. Possibly get with her at 1 p.m. Or does that totally blow you up? So sorry for this. I had no idea this was happening this a.m. Let me know."
2: Well, I let, uh, do y'all want to go for a doubleheader episode today? I don't know what your schedules are like. I don't mind doing a doubleheader if that's what you well, want. I've, I've
1: got an errand I've got to run at, at noon, but what we could do is uh, go out and come back. If, if you guys are good with it and if I can sedate my wife enough to, to agree with that.
2: <laughs> Carlos, what do you think? You want to you do a doubleheader episode today? A uh, doubleheader episode
0: today? That's fine.
2: Okay, well, well, we can come back at one with the congresswoman. Let them know, Gary.
1: All right, we'll do. Unfortunately, for some odd reason, I had turned on dictation, and everything we just said for the last five minutes was just uh, written on my phone. Got oh, go no, don't,
2: don't send that. To...
1: I'm not sending it. Don't worry. I, I'm not sending it because you uh,
2: <clears throat> I think, I think might not, we, not
1: like the fact we we're, were talking about cocksuckers. Yeah, we said I'm that saying,
2: three times in the last five minutes. Yeah, you don't want to say that. To I, I'm part. just
1: saying. All right. So, okay, sounds good. So, <laughs> sounds good one o'clock don't smoke any boof <laughs> <laughs> don't sell me no boof man don't sell me no boof now quick question chris what is going what are the laws right now in south carolina
2: well, you know, South Carolina normal. Uh I remember talking with them when we had our, our pre COVID national conference and uh things were not looking well in South Carolina. But uh recently there have been some developments, some back and forth in their legislature. Um, so you know, they're nowhere near where we are in Florida or some of the other some of the other states. So, you know, they are they're one of those last bastions of uh, you know, they're starting to get medical, uh, you know, when there's C B D laws and such, but they, they you know, they gotta do better.
1: All right. Well, that, that's where we're going to get going, because she was on the South Carolina S- uh, State House of Representatives. Not that she, that, that she spearheaded bills there. I don't know. But we'll, we'll find out from her. So their, their, because- their
2: medical marijuana legalization bill uh, you know, uh, will officially allow for uh, patients with qualifying conditions to possess and purchase from dispensaries and uh, smokable products as well as home cultivation is, is prohibited. So they're they're basically a repeat of of Florida, so and it's uh it, it it was approved in the Senate. It's now going for you know their House consideration, um, and then you know, uh, we'll see what happens with it all. Uh, I think government Governor McMaster uh
1: you know may sign it, may not. Yeah, we'll wait and see. So and the gentleman said uh, that's good. That'll give her time to settle in once the officers leave. Thank you for understanding and sorry about all that. I hope everybody in, in DC is safe. Hopefully that was just a perceived threat and not an actual one. But you never know when you're on DEFCON orange, right?
0: Um I'm not going to lie. This lady's badass for like, you know, DEFCON orange and still wanting to do the show with us.
1: Oh yeah, I got to respect that. Yeah, I got to. Because that. when it comes down to the prioritization of things, you know, you have to keep the right rotation way the heck up there, right?
0: Yeah, apparently, all right. I didn't realize our show
1: was so awesome. <laughs> you had no idea. See, that's the RSO. <laughs> if, you, if you hadn't eaten at least you know four grams before you walked on today, you would know just how awesome this show is because right now it's all a blur. Where am I right now? Exactly. Oh, shit, I got to do the – there you go. All right, so so dudes, <laughs> so, so dudes we're, 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 we're going to take a, a pause for the cause, and I have no idea which cause that is. But uh, I do think that before we leave, we should do one quick commercial in regards to our event coming up in April, and then we'll cut off and come back at one. Well, How's that also,
2: well, we, got, we got two events coming up. Uh, one major event coming up is actually our membership meeting this week. Um, oh, it,
1: that's the wrong graphic.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a graphic for the membership meeting. Yeah, you
1: see, Carol is also where it lives backwards in time, right. too. Well, you, you can, you can, you can find the details,
2: uh, on our website It's not or, require a graphic. Don't worry about it. You know, our spring membership <laughs> meeting, Carlos, there's the late to our spring that. membership meeting there. So, but yeah, uh, our, our membership meeting is this Thursday, seven o'clock over zoom. And then on April 23rd, as you can see on your screen, there is the Tampa Bay cannabis business expo. Now you are not going to want to miss this business expo. And if you're looking at in the chat there, in the links, you can click the link to RSVP for our membership meeting this Thursday. But the expo next month in April is definitely going to be something that we're excited for. We got cannabis businesses uh, from around the state coming. You know, there are folks that, that some of these businesses are actually interviewing. So uh, in general admission is free. But we are putting together uh, several panels that you that uh, that you may want to uh, get access to. These are premium uh, panel events. Uh, we're actually going to have Nikki Free keynoting our, our women in cannabis breakfast. Uh, we're actually going to have a networking breakfast as well. Uh, we got a cannabis business in Florida panel, uh, which is coming up. A healthy living with medical marijuana panel where you'll hear patient stories, uh, doctor recommendations. You get some recommendations about dosing and, and getting some more information, especially if you're new to cannabis as a therapy. And then we're going to close out the day with the social justice panel, which will be more politically oriented, and we'll have some major uh, political uh, figures on that panel to talk about the war on drugs and how do we win the war on drugs. You know, And when I say we win, I mean we, the American people, because the war on drugs has been the longest-running war in American history, and it's been on the people itself, on us, So how do we, the people, win? You know, people always laugh, oh, you know, when they say uh, this police barracks in, uh, what was it, Michigan, uh, got bought out to become a grow house. And they're like, oh, the war on drugs looks like the drugs won. (laughs) But it's never been about the drugs. It's been about we, the American people, having the freedom to have control over our bodies. And and you know uh, if you've seen anything about the Florida legislature this past session, controlling people's bodies has been at the forefront of, of public policy for the for the Florida GOP. And so it's no wonder why they don't support uh, the freedom to to use cannabis and and for us to be able to have control over what we need, especially when you have chronic debilitating conditions like chronic anxiety, like PTSD, uh, with chronic pain. You know, among all the other conditions that, that you know, that, that are out there, uh, whether it's HIV, AIDS, Parkinson's, dementia, that people suffer from cancer. You know, so the right to utilize this medicine and it has been a medicine for so long and to know the history of prohibition and to know that it has been big money. and and major players, uh, between the pharmaceutical industry and between petrochemicals that have pushed to keep cannabis illegal in the first place. It infuriates me because, you know, we look at, uh, and Gary, you've touched on this before, even taking hemp as an agricultural product out of the supply chain where cows and pigs, uh, aren't fed hemp anymore. And then we look at our food supply and we see the high instances of cancer in, in eating pork and red meat and it's like well you know if, if we know that cannabis has answer can anti-cancer compounds and we've taken that out of the feed supply it's no wonder that you can connect the dots and see higher
1: instances of cancer showing up uh, with the animals that we consume yeah absolutely they, they, they substituted hemp for <clears throat> moldy hay and antibiotics yeah Essentially, so think about it that way
2: yeah, now they pump your cows full of antibiotics and then you wonder why, you know, you can't
1: feed your kids whole milk past age 5. Yeah. So, oh, and by the way, from what I understand I've been outvoted, the advocate mud bite, mud fight during the event is has been canceled. We're not going to have that <laughs>
2: Yes, Gary, we're not going to do mud fights when we have disagreements in the cannabis industry. Uh, we are going to do gladiatorial-style dab-offs. Folks, Would now, if they have disagreements, we'll dab head-to-head like they would shot-to-shot, uh, and we will settle disagreements that way from now on.
1: I think dab-offs is a very peaceful way to, to end anything. I think we should have one between Putin and uh, whoever. I think Putin- we should have dab-offs even when we agree
2: yeah hey, I think Putin and Zelensky should have a dab off I think I put my money on Zelensky.
1: I think Zelensky would win that one hands down as a comedian. <laughs> I mean <laughs> where, where, where does his creativity come from? Sativation. That's what it is. <laughs> okay, guys, we we're we're, we're we're gonna log off now and we'll be back at one o'clock with our guest, our special guest, Congresswoman Nancy Mace. and we apologize for interrupting your Sunday in the morning. Go back to church. We're already there. And we'll see you back, guys, at 1 o'clock. All right. We'll catch you on the next episode, team. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You have come to the very first time we've ever done a science fiction, actually science nonfiction double feature. This is round two, otherwise known as afternoon mass, at the Our Lady of Perpetual Holistic Medicine.
0: You, you got it scooting, clue they can't see you in the thing. Oh, my goodness gracious. All right. <laughs> I'm so sorry.
1: I, I ran in here, and, and my hair is all a mess. And you just messed up my intro. So I'm not, I'm not going to start it again, but I will tell you right now, you are in round two of the rotation. Let's jump in.
3: <laughs>
1: Hope that looks smooth. It didn't look smooth on this side, but this is one of those days where <laughs> desperation is the mother of invention. <laughs> and we are so glad we are starting to get straight and straight enough. Uh, we, we now have our guest on board. And I think this is, but let's go ahead and introduce ourselves again. Why not? Uh, you have come on take, to the road. Take a breath, Gary. Just, okay. ah, woo saw. Yeah, it's like okay. a paraquat in my lungs. So hold on a second. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> you have reached the rotation, and we are the masters of cannabis. My name is Gary Stein. I am the political director of Sun Coast Normal and the official master of public health and token Jew. <laughs> and to my right, although he's somewhat left of center, we have Carlos Armida, our deputy director and business and master of business administration. And above us over here on the upper right hand side, we have from beautiful Anne Arundel County, we have Carlos, we have, I did it again, didn't I? Chris Kano, our executive director <laughs> and Master of Public Administration. So we are the Masters of Cannabis, and we have a very special guest star today. We have, have a federally elected official right here. This is Reverend Congresswoman Nancy Mays, who you may have heard before is the very first female graduate of the Citadel, which which makes her a very special person. She did what, what Shannon Faulkner couldn't do, and that is get all the yeah. way through that and move forward. Uh, <clears throat> As uh, up, up above us here, uh, Mr. Kino was also a cadet in the in the Air Force, and so he, he understands some of what was what, what was going on over there to an extent. But first off, welcome, Congresswoman. Glad you're finally here with us.
3: Yeah, and thank you for uh, being flexible in your timing, especially on the weekend. So
1: we, we no are, problem. We are anything if flexible. Can you tell us anything about what's going on yeah. over in DC right now?
3: Uh, Well, uh, well, it's been very busy because of the Ukraine situation. And in fact, I spent uh, the last weekend a week ago at the border of Ukraine. And so a lot of what we're doing right now, or at least in the last couple of weeks, has been in that direction. But when we get back to D.C. on Monday, uh, we will have some votes this week, including one, I believe, on the uh, MORE Act that will be coming up in the next couple of days. Um, And, of course, um, I've got my own bill, the States Reform Act. Um, that was endorsed by normal, both uh, groups on the conservative side and the Democrat side of the aisle, and uh, is a bipartisan effort that I'm doing uh, on my own as well. And uh, so we should be getting back to the normal order of business, I believe, uh, later this week.
1: I take it you're on the road.
3: I am. I am on the road. I am often on the road traveling, uh, even on Sundays. So.
1: And you just came back from Poland, so you you haven't had a chance to take a breath either.
3: No, I I have not. There's so many issues facing our country right now, and I think Vladimir Putin might be the one guy that brings uh, both sides of the aisle together, right? Nobody wants World War III, and we're doing all that we can in our power to ensure that does not happen. And um, I sit on the Oversight Committee. I'm the highest-ranking Republican on the uh, Civil Rights and Civil Liberties Committee, but part of oversight, we look at immigration, we look at foreign affairs, we look at waste, fraud, abuse in the in the federal government, civil rights, uh, etc. And so we went over as a bipartisan committee, a handful of us last weekend, and spent some time along the border of Ukraine. Wow!
1: Well, my my grandfather was from Kiev, and my gra- grandmother was from Yas on the on the Romanian border. So my heart goes wow. out to all the Ukrainians who are displaced right now and yeah. all the, po- the folks in Poland and Hungary and Romania who are bringing them in right now.
3: And it's amazing that Polish families as soon as there aren't like not what I was expecting there aren't there aren't camps with tents you know and and millions of families stretched out around Poland but once the refugees are in process and most of them are women and kids because the husbands and fathers are stayed stayed back home and uh, to defend their country but Within a few days, Polish families are opening their homes to Ukrainian women and kids to give them shelter, to give them food, and and the Polish government has given opened up their schools to the to the young younger kids so they can go to school during the day. Um, it's nothing short of remarkable and is a is a great footnote in, in history and world history about uh, humanity and what they're doing to protect those in the region who are seeking help. And seeking a way out of Ukraine, at least at least temporarily, and most of the Ukrainians, once it's over, they want to go back to their homeland. And so uh, it's very it's very sad to see, um, but also at the same time, um, you, when you see the Polish government coming together and families opening their homes to these women and kids, it's very heartwarming as well. It's generous.
1: Poland is definitely a long cry from the, the country that was in the Warsaw Pact with Marshal Tito and all that. But, that was yep. a long time ago in a, in a, in a galaxy yep. far, far away, thank God.
3: Right. No, that's
1: exactly right. Okay. I actually happen to have a copy of your bill here. This is this is the pocket edition, all, all 113 <laughs> all, pages. Uh, uh, yeah,
3: 130 pages.
1: Uh, exactly yep. right. Double-sided so I could save some paper. You know, we've got to have some sustainable that's sources good. for that. It's yeah. good. It's interesting. It's good reading. We'd, we'd like to take it apart, but we'd also like to like to ask you just a couple things on, on your background. Um, mm-hmm. as, a, as a conservative, obviously, we, we seem to be having more conservatives that, that are that are more on the pro- prohibition side than we do uh, on the other side. Or more, a lot of the centrists are for it. I always figured we wouldn't have legalization until everybody in Congress who was born after 1950 is finally out of office before 1950. We haven't got to that point yet. Uh, yeah,
3: no, no, we haven't. And the only place this is controversial is in Washington, D.C. And it, actually, in my home state of South Carolina, it's it's Republicans that are leading uh, the effort. On our side, we're, we're trying to get the state legislature trying to get medical. And Mississippi supported it by 78 percent of the population. It's like, heck, if Mississippi can do it, certainly we can, too. But uh, we have one of the most conservative medical cannabis bills in the country That's going through the legislative process now and uh it's been interesting the ballot ask consumers what they think about it and i will tell you overwhelmingly whether they're democrat or republican they support the rights of states to do what they want on cannabis and you have 47 of 50 states that have something like south Carolina, we have cbd and hemp Uh, florida has medical california has adult use but whether you're on the left or the right, you support the rights of states to do that. And that therein lies the crux of, of my bill, the States Reform Act. And, you know, I, I have I have an election and my, my primary opponent is saying I'm high and I'm trying to legalize and do all this stuff. It's like, no, man, this is actually kind of a conservative value, this idea of federalism and states' rights. And, oh, by the way, this bill is Absolutely. so good, it's been endorsed by Normal and Americans for Prosperity and Amazon and any number of groups for different reasons including our veterans and law enforcement everybody wants this right and it's a matter of how do you do it in a bipartisan way because i believe the only way you can do it at the federal <laughs> at the federal level oh my gosh somebody just oh not us i'm not everything driving everything okay oh my okay? gosh are you okay somebody just yeah someone just almost came over and hit our car are you okay wow I- hang
1: on you, Hi. you're in dc right um, now know, in we're in DC. south
3: carolina on the road oh, and okay. my boyfriend is driving us uh i have an event oh my gosh <laughs> all right can we hit pause i'm sorry we did not yeah. we were real close to it i'm gonna hit pause and be back okay. on in just just a moment i'm sorry
2: no worries rep okay. take it a minute Wow. So, yeah, uh, eventful day for Rep Mace between the threats at the (laughs) Capitol and almost getting hit on the road. So uh, and still uh, a champion to be with us today. So we're very grateful uh, for the representative. Uh, But, you know, squad, as we're talking about, uh, you know, what's going on, uh, you know, the representative did touch on the issue of states rights and various states throughout the country have said you know the federal government's policy is wrong and we want to do right by our people uh we saw colorado and washington you know begin to lead that charge with adult use uh, California has been at the forefront of this fight uh, since you know the the, the 90s, uh, but even going far back as the 70s, when the Controlled Substance Act was introduced, you had states like California and Oregon in various areas saying, you know, hey, there are sick people that need access to this, and and, the, and you know, and people have been utilizing cannabis in this country uh, since its inception. I mean, you know, Thomas Jefferson literally had to sell you know uh, pounds of hemp uh, in order to buy guns for the Continental Army. You know, so it's it's not like America is, is a stranger to it. What we saw, though, is that uh, you know, racist elements in, in anti-immigrant elements in our Congress utilize cannabis prohibition as a way to uh, scare. Uh, You know, other you know other districts and other colleagues in Congress into passing prohibition to utilize it as a way to you know directly target African American uh, and immigrant communities uh, in order to over police and and arrest them. And so the fact that we have young bright uh, representatives, you know, uh, like Nancy Mace, you know, even on the conservative side, stepping up. And and you know, champion this and having these discussions, discussions that you would not get from, from from you know these guys who grew up during the Jim Crow eras on both sides of the aisle. So you know, the fact that we're having a vote this week in Congress for the second time on the MORAC. We had one at the end of 2020, uh, which was more mostly symbolic. And now we have one going up this this uh, uh, week, you know, and then the opportunity that it could actually happen. Um, you know, by the midterms, uh, you know, that cannabis could be legal in this country by the end of the year uh, if, if everything went smoothly in the legislative process. But again, I'm I'm always optimistic, so we'll see what happens. And welcome back, Representative.
3: Okay.
0: But, oh. You okay?
1: oh my God, what a day! What, what is y-
0: going on? Like you're and you're still going. Look at you.
1: <laughs> yeah. Now, of course, you you represent uh, South God, Carolina's. <clears throat> Go ahead. No, I'm here. Okay. Yeah, you're no, you're you're you're, really. you're in a I, sketchy zone, but I think oh, okay, we'll that. probably get past that. It's like yeah, it's a cell phone service, but well we that's pay- just I've always For been sure. told that, that yeah. you're you're in Charleston right now, correct? And uh yeah. I've always been told that Charleston is like Savannah on steroids. And <laughs> Savannah, it you've is. got more no dead zones than you have live zones as far as uh internet is concerned, so we, we, we yeah. get we, we get what's going on there, and you're also coastal yeah. there, so you, you, you always get also get those other issues involved. So we're, we're glad you're safe, <laughs> and we're, we're glad that and you had a chance to, to deal with both yeah, state so politics safe, and U.S. politics.
3: Of course. and it's a it's an important issue. It's an issue that I've supported my entire life. When I was a state lawmaker before I came to Congress, I supported South Carolina's medical cannabis reforms. It's called the Compassionate Care Act, and was a co-sponsor of that bill. And then when I came to Congress, this was an issue that I ran and that I immensely, from, for personal reasons, obviously, I have a lot of veteranly. I've seen the effects of PTSD. Uh, I was, I, I've told this story before, I was raped when I was 16. And I dropped out of medicine that my doctor prescribed, the antidepressants made my depression worse. And I got off that medication and did cannabis for a brief period of time in my life that cut my anxiety down to help me sleep at night and so i understand the medical from that perspective and when i talk to veterans uh i feel that, that pain when they're going through ptsd and that kind of trauma because i've been through my own personal trauma and the reasons i'm, I'm 44 now but <clears throat> you when you when i look back at my life and see the kinds of experiences i've had um you know gives me a unique perspective on these issues and it's a story that i talk about especially to Republicans so that they can understand my perspective and where I'm coming from that uh, we just want to make sure that the rights of states are protected on this issue and that there's a framework so that this isn't a multi-billion dollar industry dangerous industry industry operating in cash that's dangerous right and we want to we want to disincentivize illegal and black markets because you've got fentanyl coming across the border and you read stories about people all the time with with, uh, with marijuana or cannabis laced with fentanyl. Uh, we want to make sure that we're doing what makes the most sense and respects the rights of states and respects the rights of, of those like, you know, in the VA, like veterans should be able to be prescribed this no matter where they are. And my bill has those protections. And I know that certain states want to have certain uh, investment in certain communities so that they can um, you know, ensure the communities that have been most harmed by this federal war on a plant, particularly black and brown communities, because they're four times as likely to be arrested for cannabis than, than someone who's uh, white. Those are all facts, even in my home state of South Carolina. But I also, when talking to our law enforcement, who may not publicly come out sometimes, but uh, they're not making arrests on this issue, right? Unless it's a major major influx on a, on a plane coming in overseas illegally, They're just, they have bigger crimes. There are bigger drugs to go after that are doing real serious harm. And I know in the state of South Carolina, we have an opioid crisis. Well, if you stand up one dispensary, just one dispensary for medical, you reduce opioid addiction and morbidity by 17 plus percent. And so there's all this data that it doesn't increase crime, that kids are not exposed to it any more than they are. I'm going through this with my own kids right now. Uh, one of my kids has a best friend who's getting high every day that they go to school, and they have access to this. And you know what we're doing isn't working. And we certainly need to make sure that we're putting you know funds and investment into discouraging kids being sold pot, and that we advertise and you know tell kids. And I like I told my kids. If you're doing it at your age for nefarious reasons, your brain's going to turn into a bowl of mashed potatoes. That's what I tell them. (laughs) And so, you know, and and we're seeing it. I see it every day. Uh, And so I want to be sure that we're smart about it, that we're pragmatic and we do what makes sense and respects the rights of states, respects the rights of law-abiding citizens and businesses to uh, be part of a huge industry that's not going away in this country. And that's something I'm intent on continuing to work on no matter you know how many people attack me for it i know it's
1: the right thing to do now when you had a chance to have access to cannabis back in like like uh, we, we, i guess that would have in been the 90s, early 90s, 95
3: right? 95
1: <clears throat> yeah uh, yeah 95 and that was and that was even before california went m- medical and yeah. your father yep. is, is uh, james mace is a uh, was a two star general correct he
3: was a one star one star general one star pretty... general
1: i'm sorry mm-hmm. i just gave him a promotion i hope he doesn't mind
3: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so, I, I wonder my how, how,
1: how. What's that? Yeah, I wonder. I wonder how you reconciled that w- with him. Yeah, so, well, or, or, my or father. My father
3: doesn't like the idea of it at all, and he sort of, you know, doesn't like that. But he uses CBD for his back pain. Okay, so it's like, Daddy, yeah, you can't say no, but then you're, you, you know, you use a, a product that's legal in South Carolina, like many people do. I use CBD at night, or I use Delta Eight and then Ambien because I won't kill my boyfriend, right? And I won't dig to it. Um, But uh, my mom, my mom, my mom is 80 and my dad's 82, but my mom is like, hey, if I ever get sick, shipping the best stuff from California, right? And so um, the most people, when you talk to them, you explain what you're doing, support it. It's, It's people on either side of the aisle or sometimes within the industry or without that put out things that just aren't true or they put out you know stats and data that just aren't substantive and are not true. And I'm going through that now in my in my Republican primary. And I'm like, well, no, that's not it at all. And what you're citing is a complete falsehood. And so it's up to us to educate people. And I'm really thankful to the industry that provides us data and statistics that I can then go back to people and say, no, this is where you're wrong. And if you really want to study it for medical purposes, if that's your intent, then you have to deschedule it. And to deschedule it, you have to decriminalize it. There's a whole domino effect that you have to do from all a law and statute and legal perspective to even make the justification to going medical and it's really not up to the federal government to do it it's really up to the rights of states and they've been doing a very good job and different states have implemented in different ways and you you've seen the benefit to that and learning from other locations but like canadian you know cannabis companies can trade on our stock market but we got to trade our companies got to trade on Canadian cannabis stock market well so our regulations and our laws make absolutely no sense whatsoever. And then when you dig into the data and realize, my God, this could save lives, it's sort of
1: a why not.
0: How is it is it possible to get you to come to Florida and talk sense to some, I was sense thinking to that because some of our I, politicians? Yeah,
1: I mean, we have met full medical over here in Florida, but our program mm-hmm. itself is, is a bit on the screwed up side. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we have a number of issues that have not been resolved. In fact, if I can blow our own horn for a little bit, we, we set up a number of bills that were filed this last year that couldn't even mm-hmm. get through the committee. I'm sure you're familiar with how that works. And of course, yeah. we're, we're in state Florida, which we call the meth lab of democracy.
3: <laughs>
1: uh, where we you go got ahead a lot and, of
3: freedom down there. You have a lot of freedom down there. Y'all should be proud of that, though, too.
1: So. We, we, we do we do have some, but like, for instance, you, there's no public use. Right now, you can still get fired or not get a job for, for having a medical card, even if you were not using oh, it at wow. all during the time that really? you're working.
3: Yeah, Even if you're being prescribed it.
2: Yeah, so Representative Mace, That's, one of the side effects that I think you know your colleagues should realize is that. Um, employment practices are not catching up with these changes in, in statute you know there are yeah. medical marijuana patients who are now living healthy productive lives and now they're being told you can't work here or oh you got to choose between your healthy life utilizing your medicine and this job there's no employment protections there's no protections for people who need to utilize this and who may need an organ transplant you know, people going through liver failure, using this, want to be on the transplant list. Oh, you're using weed, you're kicked off the transplant list. So these are some yep. of the side effects that we need the legislators to, to be aware of, because they may not be. I mean, and then the last thing is that, and, and this is something that I'm not sure that you might be familiar with, but our commitment to certain international treaties as the United States of America how is that going to affect us in trying to move forward with passing your bill, for example, or the More Act or any piece of legislation that would essentially uh, deschedule cannabis?
3: Yeah, you know? and I just did a bill in the last week or two regarding the UN and descheduling cannabis overall as well. It's something that, you know, countries around nice. the world need to be need to be looking at, not just us. And let's talk about Brittany Greiner for a moment, right? Yes. Um, being you. jailed. It was my eighty year old mom. It was my 80 year old mom that called me about Brittany Griner. She's like, "What are you doing about Brittany Griner?" Right? And so, um, you know, this is this is topical. It's on people's minds. I had no idea about the organ donor situation. I might need to modify or amend my bill uh, in that regard and make sure that there are incentives. It's sort of like if you're not vaccinated, they won't also will not give you an organ, which doesn't seem fair because if you've had COVID, in my case, I've had it twice and I'm vaccinated. I probably go in the dark. I have so much immunity but we don't treat national immunity the way that we treat, anyway, you know, vaccinated, and it's, they're probably the same um, from that standpoint. But just some of these laws and rules just are stupid, right? And it's your government at work. And so uh, thank you for bringing that point up. And I, my, my staff, but I hope, are listening and, and will take note and put that down and make sure and take a look at our bill and see if there's a way to incentivize good behavior. But that's one of the reasons that Amazon, and my bill's the only Republican cannabis bill that Amazon has endorsed for that very reason, that. It affects about 10% of their hiring pool for people who are duly qualified to th- do these jobs. And that's about 100,000 people that they could employ if it were not for that discrimination. And they, those individuals should not be discriminated against if they're qualified for that work. And, um, you know, that's really important as well, that that uh, people who can should work in any job,
1: really, even or if they have a medical card. Representative, Folks let me ask me. Go, go ahead, Chris.
2: Yeah, Representative, let me ask you because we're talking about uh, you know these unforeseen side effects of moving forward with mm-hmm. legalization. Uh, one of the things that w- w- was really prevalent was how many qualified people were denied security clearance in the Biden White House or Biden administration for past yeah. cannabis use or even legal cannabis use. You know, um, I I totally understand coming from a national security point of view that maybe giving someone top secret clearance who has to go to a weed dealer is not necessarily the the, the right move in the interest of national security. But if we're saying someone can go to a legal dispensary, why should people be denied security clearance when they're utilizing a legit medicine and going to a legitimate establishment? Right. Certainly
3: if it's used for medical, right? I mean, if people are doing opioids to cure their pain, uh, and being addicted to that, the, the same rule should apply then, correct? And that's not the way that it works again, is another issue with the way we're we're dealing with cannabis.
2: So I have to ask you, you know, uh, your predecessor who who you uh you know beat in the last election voted yes on the More Act. Can you handle uh, mm-hmm. the, the constituents in mm-hmm. your district counter your vote for the More Act this go around?
3: We're we're still working through it. Um and You know, I haven't made a decision yet. I I am going to, if there's an opportunity, we're working with my staff on this, I would like to try to amend the Moore Act uh, when it comes up this week, if we're able to, and include some provisions that are included in the state's reform act. And if we can get a little closer to that, um, then that would be something that I would support. It needs to be, it needs to be more bipartisan than it is right now. And the taxes are kind of high. You're talking about five percent, and then over a couple of years, going up to eight. And the last thing you want to do is incentivize a black market and, and continue to incentivize illegal behavior. I would like to see more sort of regulation around treating it more like alcohol, um, and having that framework, which does not exist currently in the MORE Act. I think that would be really important. And incentivizing some of the—I know a lot of the funding is going to social equity programs, but looking at ensuring that law enforcement, like uh, community policing programs have some investment there, our veterans that have PTSD ensuring that we incentivize that cannabis isn't sold to those under the age of 21, except for medical use. Just a couple of things. And we're looking at maybe trying to do three or four uh, amendments to kind of bridge that gap, because I don't care who does it, Democrat or Republican, as long as it gets done, done in a way that doesn't make or exacerbate or worsen Illegal activity today. And so that's kind of we're working through that now and um, Trying to see what they may be open and willing uh, to work with us on just just some modifications small parts that I think will make a big difference
1: Well, sort of, you, you know, now, one of the things I in saw together. in this bill that were I, One of these things in the bill. I thought was very really great was the small business Issues that you have in regards to mm-hmm. here. I mean like yeah. the, the bill that, that Booker and, and Schumer put out it, it is almost like a gift to big business That we're working to see these giant corporations taking over the cannabis industry, which we don't see as being necessarily a positive move because there are so many people who have been impacted, who are social equity applicants, who are totally blown away from the whole industry if they have to have a $5 $5 million retainer and grow vertically and things of that sort. But here you talk about small business loans, uh, having immunity and things of that sort for cannabis. It's kind of a stepwise fashion towards the SAFE Act, and I I really applaud you for that.
3: Yeah, and the other thing is that Schumer and Booker haven't filed a bill yet. And so we're sort of scratching our head wondering if they are going to find a bill and is there a way to merge all three of these pieces of legislation together in a way that that, that has true bipartisanship. You can't do this one-sided. You've got to be able to work together. And and, and don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm a conservative, right? But I work with Democrats on issues where we agree because I know – That that is the way forward on so many issues, whether we're talking about cannabis, whether we're talking about Ukraine, whatever the issue is. And then my first year in office, I've passed like four bills. (laughs) I've done civil rights work. I've done security work, working on issues, veterans affairs. I mean, Americans expect, particularly right now when the place is so damn divided and vitriolic. And as you all know, I had to delay this interview today because of a threat, uh, a credible threat that I got. uh, It looks like someone potentially in my district. Um, and it, that's where we are today, and that's just not okay. And we've got to have leadership that says, take the 10 or 20% of places where we agree it's the American people, the people that hire this job.
1: Now, is there any companion bill right now for 5977 in the Senate, or are we going to, to go uh, we with
3: like that? We've been approached by U.S. Senators, both Republican and Democrat, on State's Reform Act uh, for campaign legislation. And so I'm going to card cards close to my vest right now, um, but it, <laughs> it, it, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty excited about it. And so we may have some options. And I don't want it to go to a Senate graveyard. I'm not interested in that. This is something that I know that can get done with someone behind it that will work hard to achieve that end. And uh, I'm very serious about getting it. Done, and we've already been promised a hearing on state's reform act once the more Act passes, because many folks think the Moore Act will die in the Senate. And so we're working through that process. I'm respecting Democrats' move to pass more. They might do safe banking again, and then our bill will be standing. And to that end, we're we're working towards that effort now. So I think you know, obviously, the filing of the Moore Act, the attention that it's received, is putting a lot of pressure on folks who've made a lot of promises and then didn't do anything about it. And so I, I I am willing to work with anyone who's willing to work with me on, on just about anything.
1: Well, hopefully you can get Senator Scott to go ahead and move forward because he seems to have a connection with Senator Booker. And and to see a bipartisan bill in the Senate go forward w- w- would make us all very happy over here because, it, like you yeah. said, it has to be a bipartisan effort for it to go through. There's no be. other way for it to happen. Yeah, and you've done that's a, number, exactly a number of it. bills. And you've done a number of veterans bills that have some bipartisan support, like the, like the thing with the burn pits. And also, you, yep. you've approached another issue that we have a problem with here in the state of Florida, mm-hmm. which is veteran homelessness. And you have the, the tiny homes bill.
3: Yes. Uh, that's absolutely right. And, you know, I sit on three committees. I sit on transportation structure, which I thought would be the most bipartisan. It turns out it's been the least bipartisan. But it's the VA <laughs> committee, and which is where state' state's reform act will go through. But the, the most partisan committee, which is oversight and the most bipartisan stuff, is where I'm getting the most bipartisan stuff done. And so, um, you know, it's interesting from that perspective, but my message when I ran in 2020 was I will work with anyone willing to work with me. and I have no pride of authorship. I just want to show this is the path forward. This is the homework. This is the concept, the, the, the ability for us to get it done, uh, one way or another. So, and that was the whole intent of the bill. And I had no idea how popular it would be and I'm grateful for it. And I'm going to continue, you know, beating the drum until somebody get done.
1: Well, when I first started reading your bill, the first thing I happened to notice is there's a lot of retrograde motion here on this bill where you have to fix things that happened in 1937. Like, for instance, there are several clauses where you just have to change the name from marijuana with an H to marijuana with a J. (laughs) Now, this is actually kind of funny because I actually tried to get a constitutional amendment here in Florida, which actually got rid of the word marijuana altogether and put it in cannabis so we could have all the laws regarding this substance to have one name as opposed to two or three. But that that I found very interesting.
3: Yeah. Yeah, no, I have the 130-page bill. I was like, it's super long. I'm like, well, a third of it is just renaming it, right, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) in in different places. And so a third of it is just technical changes, not even really legislative and, and, and meaty. And the beauty of this bill is it leaves a lot up to states to decide as well. And it has expungement and release for nonviolent criminals, but not cartel gang members, not people with DUIs. And so I call it safe expungement release so I can get my side of the aisle on. And, and so it's got all of that. There's something for everybody in there, truly.
1: And expungement, I think, is it, it, I know it's very important to a lot of, a lot of folks right here. I know uh, mm-hmm. Chris to tell you something along those lines, because we have so many people whose lives are being affected by simple possession charges, who if they finally got the expungement they need without having to spend thousands of dollars to get it, would make so much difference in their lives, and that itself would it would be an equity move along, and that that's yeah, in And oh, bill by right the here. way,
3: and oh, by the way, when you do that, we save the federal government six hundred million dollars over five years in our federal pen, pen, penitentiary system. So, I mean, again, look, we're limiting government, we're saving money, taxpayer money. Like, there's literally nothing to dislike here.
1: Now, one thing that I, I'm sure a lot of Philarians will like to hear in this bill was the the second chapter here, which is talking about regulating cannabis like alcohol. Actually, it says regulating marijuana like alcohol. We had a ballot Mm -hmm. measure here that worked for like eight years to try to get forward. And uh, it it did did not pass the Supreme Court muster this last time. I actually was in front of the uh, Economic Impact Committee to go ahead and and explain Mm -hmm. all the reasons why this would be economically feasible for Florida. But it never got past the Supreme Court. But they're trying again for 2024. And Sometimes, if you can't get it done on the state, we hope that we can get it done federally. And you actually have this, uh, again, regulating cannabis like alcohol as a as a federal bill. Do you think that that, that, that might get state It will stay in here. Or do you think it might get lost in markup.
3: No, I think it's going to have to. I mean, that's the the entire gist of the bill is to treat it like alcohol because the framework is already there. So if you're a grower, it's through USDA. If you're interstate commerce, you know, retail TTB if uh, it's medical provision like license or permit FDA. And what want to have happen is have some agency like FDA take over the whole thing. No, that's not going to work for the industry either. And so if you treat it like alcohol, the framework is already there. It already exists. And people understand what the rules are in, in within the industry. And that is the best way forward, I believe, to making it the easiest transition for states that have legalized it in one form or another, again, 47 out of 50 states have some form of CBD with or without THC uh, throughout, throughout the entire country. Only three states have nothing, no reforms whatsoever. And so this is desperately needed right now.
1: Nebraska, Idaho, and... Uh... Kansas, Kansas. Thank you. Is, is that because of the amount of corn and potatoes they grow? You think or does that something really have something to do with that?
3: I'm not. Sh- I'm not really sure. But again, you know, in order for it to get bipartisan support, you got to allow states to say what provide what they want to do or not. And and uh, you know, I'm I'm cheering on my home state of South Carolina, but we've got you know like our state party chairman, which is trying to actively work against it, being very much misled on our medical cannabis reform, and it's sort of like not we've got republicans that are leading on this effort we should not have we should not have republicans getting in the way of other republicans doing what's right for the state of south carolina and i i know overwhelmingly state senator tom davis is going to prevail and and so uh and i'm watching that very closely to see how that happens and how they move forward on that but it's just it's important that we do it the right way and this this allows the framework for states to do what they're already doing and ensures we capture a multi-billion dollar industry as well and provide just this regulatory framework for them to safely do business legally as they already are.
2: Well, Rep Mace, you, is- you have been a, 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 you know, not just a force for, for reforms of cannabis, yeah. but you've also been a, a voice for the environment and standing against mm-hmm. offshore drilling. You know, uh, we've seen the, the, the horrors of offshore drilling and how a bad oil rig can go south here in Florida. I know you yeah. stood against the South Carolina. You know, the fact that we can grow hemp and turn it into a biodiesel, we just talked about those three states that still have nothing on the books, but those three states are a breadbasket. If we grew hemp in those states, we could have bio, clean biodiesel energy and be, you know, energy self-sufficient in this country, and, absolutely and without damaging our environment, without having to go and ruin our beaches with offshore drilling. Uh, I don't get how how anybody from any political party uh, can't see the value in that, you know?
3: Yeah, and you make you make a great point as well, and that's something especially we're looking at. Now everyone's really well aware of how uh, Russian oil and gas funds uh, all these invasions and war crimes and genocide at the hands of Putin. And I think that, you know, in terms of uh, how we move forward with energy, making our country energy independent, that should be on the list of things that we look at and do and have a plan, a strategy to have a plan for long term.
2: Well, one other piece of legislation moving that I, I found interesting, you know, I know that your bill deals with federal uh, records mm-hmm. and expungement. Um, the HOPE Act, the Harnessing Opportunities by Pursuing Expungement Act that uh, Congressman Joyce and, and, and Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez is sponsoring. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what's your opinion on that bill? Do you think that's something we should help empower states to, to you know, uh, especially ones that have legalized it, uh, to, to expunge people's records?
3: Yeah, for sure. As long as they're nonviolent and don't include, you know, DUIs or uh, cartel gang members. My only, my biggest thing is making sure that those who've been harmed by this awful war that's been unsuccessful, innocent victims, that we're not including violent uh, offenders like cartel gang members.
2: Understandable, understandable. You know, we were talking about that earlier. The war on drugs is the longest waged war in American history. And it's been a war on its own people in many ways, and, mm-hmm. and it's like, how do we, you know, like how do we, you know, how do we exit this war, you know, with dignity, with respect, and also paying attention to the damage that we've done to our own people in this country.
3: Right. It's been a very long, very expensive, very harmful war on a plant, and and I'll and I'll reference it again today. I'm going through this issue, and uh, you know, uh, you know, a uh, a teenager who can't yet drive. Uh, having access and getting high before going to school every day. So clearly it's not working and hasn't, uh, hasn't ever since its inception. And we need to do a better job uh, uh, in that regard. And for folks that use it medically or for any other reason that they want to, if it's legal on their state, then they should, It should. those businesses should be able to operate legally. Um, it's, it's very important that we have that that framework set up. And I want to be part of the solution and not part of continuing This problem that has affected so many communities in such horrific ways that they just can't move forward in some cases and get out of it. Now, we've
1: been able to reduce tobacco use in teenage kids through through peer counseling programs, but we haven't Mm -hmm. been able to make that much of a notch in regards to teenage drinking alcohol either. And they seem to have just as much access to alcohol, if not more, when when it comes to cannabis is concerned. And I have seen that when we do have legal cannabis cannabis states, teen use does decline. Maybe it's because the fact that now that all the adults are using it, it's not cool anymore. That's a possibility, right? And
3: we and we all know one knows someone who's killed, been killed by a drunk driver. I, I am one of my best friends at sixteen was killed by a drunk driver, and my sister, just last Saturday night, lost a classmate from West Point, uh, killed due a due to a drunk driver, and uh, that has been devastating and uh, on every community in the country. And is an addictive sus- substance, right? Uh, is really an addictive substance substance, and,
1: and people die as a result when they get behind the car. Now, we also had, I had a situation just this last week where a friend of mine, a next-door neighbor's, uh, the three of them that were living there all died all at once. When they went and investigated it, they found out they had bought cannabis from a local bar and they came home and all three samples they tested had fentanyl in it. Now, where this came from, we have yep. no idea, but it, but it killed all three of them. And, yep. and that I, is yep. an issue we have with the, with the black market. And again, legalization would, would abate that situation. There are good right. players in the, in the, as we call it, the legacy market now. And there are bad players in the legacy market. And we, it may have been an issue regardless of everybody coming down here for spring break and trying to take advantage of all the folks coming from all over the country to enjoy yeah. the Florida sun for spring break. But uh, we have got, that. that is one issue we've got to fix in, in our market. Because it's, it's not just in the cannabis, It's in all. it's in all the, prescription pills that are yeah. on the, on the uh, legacy market, et cetera, and, and cocaine especially. Yeah, and especially. Just, another,
3: uh, just another reason that 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 individuals who who need or want to use it get it from a, a permitted dispensary, a legal dispensary. You know what's in it. You're not going to die from a fentanyl overdose because that's what's coming across the border and it's being laced in so many things off the market, on the black market, illicit market. People are dying and all across the country. Uh, from every socioeconomic status and region and zip code that you could imagine. And so, again, it's just another reason to do this right.
1: Now, another way to, to make certain that your, your product is not uh, adulterated is to grow your own. And mm-hmm. uh, are you... I I didn't see this in the bill, but are you considering amending it into there or would you prefer to have the states take care of that particular piece?
3: I'd prefer to have the states determine what they want to do in terms of cannabis reform or not, Uh, if they want to have prohibition or not. I want to respect the rights of states to operate in whatever manner that they see fit and that their legislature decides and their people decide on. And that's why I keep coming back to South Carolina. I'm like, y'all need to put this on the damn ballot and see where people are because the vast majority of them. Uh, want movement on this issue, Republican and Democrat alike.
2: Well, you know, Representative, one of the issues uh, with South Carolina's medical marijuana bill is the fact that politicians are inserting themselves between the doctor-patient relationship by trying to crack down on what method of ingestions are legal and which ones aren't. We went through the same process in Florida, Mm -hmm. uh, where the governor had to step up and press his party, uh, the the Republican Party, to, to support smokable flour as a method of ingestion. And, and, you know, uh, what's your opinion on, on you know, uh, legislators, you know, being able to dictate methods of ingestion to patients? Do you believe it should be up to the doctor? Do you think the legislature should be involved?
3: Well, I think it should be up to your physician who's prescribing it. But if that's what it takes to get it passed in South Carolina, then, then, then so be it. It's better than nothing at all. It's better than someone getting it on the black market and dying because fentanyl is in it um, and would certainly help. Uh, alleviate up to 17 percent of opioid addiction opioid addiction related deaths in the state of south carolina we have a massive opioid addiction problem and they get that you know prescribed directly from their doctor right and then they go on the black market and get it off the street uh, when that prescription runs out and so uh, this would go any type of medical cannabis in the state of south carolina would go a long way to helping alleviate the issues that we presently have and would save lives
1: now one of the, one of the I, should, I could call it excuses that a lot of uh, uh, legislators have, have given us when we ask for greater reforms is they say, well, it's still federal legal, so that's why we have to consider the Cole memo and get, have as, as, as robust of a regulatory uh, system as we have. Of course, robust meaning you know so tight that you, you cuts off the blow of, uh, the flow of uh, blood to your head practically right but, and that's uh, always
3: an excuse right it's just an excuse not to do it it's it you know and you, in order to do this you have to you got to deschedule it to deschedule it you got to decriminalize it there's this whole chain of events that have to happen legally by law by statute in order to do it right so
1: yeah you you have the statement on just one of the first few pages page five where it says this uh, we'll clarify for the purposes of the Controlled Substance Act 1970 and related statutes in the light of the state's reform act that marijuana with an H, uh, later on changed, and uh, tetrahydrocannabinols are deemed by Congress to be a drug or other substance that does not meet the requirements for inclusion in any schedule. And this was something that the, uh, the yeah. deputy uh, director of health had actually said in 1970. And yet that, yeah. that went by. We waited for every single subsequent attorney general to flip that, and obviously the attorney generals are not interested in doing that, so it's good to see we may have a legislative approach to finally fix what was broken 51 years ago.
3: You, you have to do it this way. There is no option. And some are like, let's put it on a different schedule. That doesn't work either. And so uh, that is the only way to do it, and cannabis is not heroin, it's not crack, it's not cocaine, uh, and has medical benefits that we need to understand better. Uh, we need more studies on it. And that's the only way you can do it is by descheduling it and to deschedule, you got to decriminalize it. So it's all of it, you know, works together in that regard. And as long as the federal government isn't forcing it on any particular state, uh, the states will come around and there are, I mean, they're already there. It's not like you're going to reverse course. Like that genie ain't going back in the bottle. So you might as well provide the framework for it to be safely done uh, in every state that already has it.
1: The federal government has not been the friend of this uh, of this revision for the, for the last 51 years, even just to the point where they created a situation where the FDA could only do research on the harms of cannabis and not even on the benefits to see just how right. much medicinal benefit this one has. We happen to have a lady here in the state of Florida who's had ALS since 1986. She just turned 71. She's the longest living ALS patient in the country. And that is solely because of the fact that 1989, she came here on vacation actually to, to save up her, her, her muscle relaxants and possibly mm-hmm. commit suicide. And somebody gave her a, uh, a joint of uh, a very strong canvas we had in Manatee County, and she actually felt her her, her disease abate. It actually stopped wow. at that point in time. And, that, and even the American ALS Association won't even approve of that because they say it's federally illegal and we can't move forward. And yet here we have a cure for something everybody thinks has no cure. And I think that there's it, literally, curious-
3: it literally can save lives. Even the most recent said there was a study that came out last week that said, Hey, there's no medical benefits except anxiety and sleep. And it's like, well, we need to have <laughs> multiple studies. And even then that saves lives. Right. And it's just like, come on guys. You know, uh, even in that study, that said, Hey, there was no medical benefit." showed there was still a medical benefit. It's like, okay. <laughs> and, Ambien is addictive. And you might kill somebody in the middle of the night while you're doing it. So it's just sort of, yeah. And, and I hear about stories about, you know, uh, about moms who are trying to not drink as much at night, right? And doing a half a gummy before they, at the end of the day, because that is stress. I mean, yeah. it's just sort of, you know, and they're trying to get off Ambien and all those things. And it's like, this is, it could be a healthy option for us. And, Indeed. you know, and many people just don't have that option because at least in the state of South Carolina, we're behind in that, in that regard.
2: Well, but They're working
3: not- hard to get there. They're working hard to get there.
2: Representative, you, you touched on, on, on a sensitive subject for me. I lost my cousin in, in the summer of 2009. Uh, his mom gave him an Ambien and a Lunesta after he had been out partying, you know, post-graduation. And he had a mm-hmm. psychotic break because of it. He, you know, he tried to stab wow. her with a barbecue fork. And unfortunately, the Winter Park police put two shots in his chest. And so wow. it, it it is definitely, you know, I, I think back and I'm like, wow, what if his mom could have just gave him a dose of RSO? He could have went to sleep for 18 hours and been fine. You know? yeah and
3: we've yeah and i've seen it in, in our family uh you know one of the cousins of my kids uh had an overdose uh, heavy drug overdose and you know it's uh it, it has affected every family uh somebody knows someone who's been affected by by what's happened and what's going on when there could have been an alternative that could have saved a life
1: yeah and she yeah. was
3: young she was young single mom of two teenage girls when it happened it was devastating
2: and and you know people just want to live healthy lives and they're they're encountering you know so many hurdles you know whether it's being mm-hmm. saddled with a criminal record or it's being you know even doing it legitimately and getting your medical card and still being denied employment or being let go from a job you know Gary's mm-hmm. own daughter had a situation where her employer gave her a choice between ripping up her medical card or keeping the 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 you know the job that puts food on the table and even uh, people lose their driver's licenses in our state uh, many times for marijuana charges and I wanted to just point that out. Out with the viewers who might be watching, uh, Hillsborough County in particular uh, has 450 spots available uh, to actually help people with Operation Greenlight, which is to restore suspended driver's licenses and help you expedite that. And so, Carlos, if you could just run that link across the screen, so far they've had about 150 applicants apply on the county website. But for those of you who uh, read this article, click the link and, and sign up, you know, we want to make sure that uh, these the damage that has happened with folks losing their driver's license to a marijuana charge, uh, you can get that reinstated now with local government stepping up to help.
1: Now, silent signals here, here in, in state in, in the Florida state government is that the more uh, the more committees a bill gets uh, when they're when, when they're first introduced, the less chance there is of it moving forward. Basically, because leadership tries to bog it down so that it won't get past the committee process for our our, our uh, sixty day uh, uh, sessions. Uh, and now I see looking at your bill, you have a few committees, uh, you have judiciary, commerce, natural resources, agriculture, transportation, infrastructure, armed services, ways and means, small business, veterans affairs, oversight, reform, education and labor and foreign affairs. Oh, so
3: yeah. It's a, it's, uh, it's a lot. It, it is a lot. And that, it, that is a lot. And that will be a hurdle that we'll have to have to get through. Uh, which is why I am excited about having a hearing on it actually an oversight, getting that started, that process started, so we can work through some of the issues that we may, we may encounter elsewhere. And it may be that, hey, you know, that kind of a bill that I have has to be broken up and done over time, which is may or may not be okay, too. I don't know that you can do it without doing it comprehensive. I'm not sure constitutionally that that would work. But one of the challenges that we will have to have to work through and getting a Senate companion bill and figuring out, you know, where the support is in the Senate and what we think we may or may not be able to do there. And you look at safe banking as an example, you know, we, we can pass it of the House, no problem. And it gets stuck in the Senate. And some people think it doesn't go too far and for others it doesn't go far enough. And so it's just, man, we just got to pull our heads out of the sand and do what makes the most common sense. And that's, that is mm-hmm. my argument. And you're missing out on a reven- revenue stream, by the way. Uh, and you're making the industry much more dangerous than it needs to be.
2: Representative, one thing that uh, you just touched on with these committee assignments is, you know, uh, the role that cannabis would play in helping out members of our armed forces. We talk a lot about veterans. Mm -hmm. In Israel, they've changed it to where if you're on reserve status, uh, you can essentially utilize cannabis as a therapy. Uh, What do you think about it? Is that something our brass would go for here? Or is that is, is cannabis still too taboo for our armed forces brass to touch?
3: Well, it's hard hard to say. I don't have that in in the bill. And I don't know that's something we could touch right now. But certainly, uh, if you are a veteran, you shouldn't be discriminated against. I have protections for that in there with employment and
2: allowing I saw, every... I think a key part of the bill I want to highlight mm-hmm. was the retroactive uh, uh, change in dishonorable discharges for candidates. Let, let's talk yes. about that for a moment. Tell us about uh, what, what led you to that and, 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 and such.
3: Well, they shouldn't be dishonorably discharged for for that, and that that is included in it. But also allowing uh, the VA to prescribe it to veterans, and then they're not they're not discriminated at their place of employment. Um, I had certain protections in there for veterans. Uh, I think that's a really important uh, audience to protect. And I have I have similar protections for those with uh, HIV and AIDS, or sickle cell anemia, or those that have terminal illness and cancer, and And those are places where I I believe we should be going to specify that as well uh, to get folks from both sides of the aisle on board and understanding that this has tremendous value. And if this can alleviate someone's pain, I mean, when I was a state lawmaker, there was a young woman that died from sickle cell. And it was the first time I really learned about the disease and how much pain she was. And I had no idea. And she died at a very young age, but it's just... Gosh, people! Like we need to do what's right uh, for every community, uh, R or D—it doesn't matter. uh, Every community across the country, and just do what makes the most sense. Like have that really pragmatic approach to this issue.
0: You say R or D, and I got to tell you, like through this entire conversation, I've been wanting to tell you that it—it's been refreshing to see a Republican who's so open-minded and things like that. But the truth is, it's refreshing to see a politician that's willing to not only talk and listen, but, to not think that they have all the fucking answers
3: right? (laughs) Um,
0: and and to be willing to learn and to, to grow. And like one of the best parts about this interview is when Gary said something and you're like, Oh man, maybe we should reform our bill. You know, that, that speaks volumes to you as, as a politician, as a person. And my mic is falling down, (laughs) but (laughs) uh, that speaks, that speaks volumes to who you are as a politician and, and as a person in general and and just it's refreshing it's really nice to see somebody that that's willing to like not ignore facts just because they, they you yeah. know you you don't you you seem to be a politician that doesn't seem to have an agenda you just want to do what's yeah. right so i appreciate i want
3: to do what i appreciate the kind words and i will tell you i oftentimes it, it, when i'm at an event or like my tiny homes bill that like y'all cited earlier that was because of a conversation i had a on a sidewalk in beaufort south carolina in my district with a vet who was very upset about all the tv ads he sees uh on fox news and elsewhere about these nonprofits building houses for veterans and he's like these people were willing to take a bullet for our country and they're homeless and we can't do a damn thing about it and that born out of that idea came the tiny homes act and i partnered up with someone across the aisle to do that and we have very promising feedback from the va committee on it but I do try to listen and I don't know everything. I'm like, I kind of joke, I'm an inch deep and a mile wide, right? And I know a little bit about a lot and I'm trying to do my part because the reason I got into this gig and I, quite frankly, I hate politics for a lot of reasons, especially <laughs> right when because it's so violent and vitriolic and right now, and it's can be dangerous as I have learned in my first 14 months. Um, and so I want to listen to people and be an effective uh governor and legislator because that's what i was elected to do and i promised to to do that and so many times people will run for office enrich themselves or uh don't do what they say they're going to do you have members of congress who literally have never filed a bill you have members of congress who will never pass legislation and if you just pour gas on the whole damn place and light a match you're never going to get anything done and that is not what the american people need right now And we're seeing, you know, really going through trying times with inflation, uh, the Ukraine situation, the border situation, you name it, uh, people, you know, businesses, large and small are all being affected. And we need people who are willing to work and build consensus to have an outcome that benefits everyone in their community. And that is what I am about. And uh, that's one of the reasons that I'm passing on average about a bill a quarter out of committee and out of the floor of the House, and then they go on to the Senate, or sometimes they die, one of my frustrations with the Senate, but uh, I am doing the work that I said I was going to do, come hell or high water.
0: Representative well, Mace, I'm sure Kano and uh, Gary have a lot of questions and comments, and I'll give them a second to do all that. But the truth of the matter is, we've done a lot of podcasting today. Um, <laughs> you you've braved threats and car accidents and all <laughs> sorts of stuff to talk to us. Yeah. I think I think what we should day. start start thinking about wrapping it up. Okay. It, it, nice. I I don't know if Kano or Gary have anything that they want to say, but but. Um, why don't you just take a moment tell people how they can support you and where they can find you
1: how we can support that bill okay. Yep,
3: uh, my website is nancymace.org on the political side If folks want to support me I'm being attacked right and left uh, in my <laughs> Republican primary right now uh, Over this particular issue and my opponents are wrong uh, on it And so I'm gonna need as much support And help as I can get and I'm working really hard and I'm doubling down on it, quite frankly, because I know how important it is to people on both sides of the aisle who desperately want to see this happen. And uh, so I'm very excited about that and appreciate any feedback or input, even as y'all mentioned earlier, you know, you guys had a great idea for an amendment potentially uh, To the bill and we get through the committee hearing process that would be the place where we would do that and I'm very much uh have no pride of authorship and wanna make sure that it is the best cannabis bill it possibly can be.
2: Well Representative Mace, I've just gotta say you you are a a, you know the, an amazing, just just you know, hearing and talking with you. Uh, I've been you know involved in in politics, interning in state house, running running myself, and just it, like you said, the vitriol between both sides. It's amazing to be able to talk with you and, and, and see that you get it. And like what Carlos said, is that you you don't have all the answers, but you're willing to go get them, and you're willing to work with yep. people to to make the best possible legislation. You are the antithesis of Frank Underwood. and, and It is funny. <laughs> <laughs> you, you would think you know uh, he also was a graduate of military academy there in south carolina and, uh, you know, such. Uh,
3: so, the so, sentinel not the citadel yeah. but the sentinel, had the same I know, right? sentinel so.
1: whatever that is yeah whatever that is right
3: whatever that is yeah, right? so. that is, yeah, yeah. it's pretty yeah. funny for yep. sure
2: but we, we, yeah. we appreciate you coming yeah. on the show taking the time out to share with you, oh, and, sorry you know, about on, that. <laughs> on, the, on that last part about you know just amended the bill uh, I just leave you with this. You know, uh, people are being kicked off of organ transplant lists. People are being kicked out of their nursing homes for using cannabis because of its federal schedule. And so, we would look look forward to working with you.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah we want to we want to
2: work with you to do that.
0: Looks like she froze. Oh, oh, come on back. Yeah, her internet's like. Sure done. That,
3: uh, yeah, y'all are in touch with my staff too, because those are yeah, great just great places. You now. No, you're. you're okay, yeah, no, you're you're right. still yeah, back. it's
0: back. It's back. Y'all
3: have and y'all have a way to get in touch with my staff as well. And you know, I'm totally open to making it better. And when I hear about those instances, it's like, man, we need to incentivize states to not do that kind of shit. Like that's just wrong. So I appreciate that input.
1: Well, yeah. thank you very much. Yeah, now, I, I run a, uh, a nonpartisan uh, political action committee here in Florida, and one thing I found out when I was working with, with this is that whenever I talk to the progressives, the conservatives get angry at me. Whenever I talk to the conservatives, the progressives get angry at me. Whenever I talk to the independents, yep. they both get angry at me. It's just like, it doesn't seem to be any way around it. And yet, poll after poll after poll, yeah. you've seen that cannabis is more popular in this country than Congress, believe it or not.
3: Way, and, way and more, and popular, like more popular, like 10 times more popular yeah
1: <laughs> indeed indeed so
2: well Congresswoman mason thank you so much for being with us today thank you for braving uh your personal safety uh, uh you know in, in everything that you're going through and we wish you the best uh you know my own loyalty oath uh to my local party probably wouldn't allow me to write you a check but you have yeah. my full support going out there <laughs> taking names <laughs> and kicking butt and doing what you're doing for the american people thank you
3: thank you thank you so much guys and you guys have a great weekend i appreciate it
1: you have a great, great stay weekend. safe peace out
3: thank you so much
1: well, you know,
2: you all have heard it here on the rotation. Uh we have been uh, you know, uh, pulling a double header today with the uh representative from South Carolina, Nancy Mace. Uh, you know, Carlos, I mean, you're not a politician, but your reflections were right on point, brother. I mean, you, the, you know, I she's one of five yeah, Republicans. Yeah, we had to have
1: his, his side of it. On one, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah,
2: well, on one hand, she's one of five Republicans. I, I like that, like that's awesome. She, yeah, like
0: awesome. I, I was not upset at her. She was like quoting, she wasn't ignoring facts. She was like hitting them straight on. I saw you like, jump yeah, your was crazy. Color. I was like, well, what is, what is, she's not Republican. She's lying about <laughs> her very political party.
2: <laughs> no, she actually is. She's a she's a she's a dedicated like that's her party, that's what she believes in. I mean, uh, yeah. but but she also has compassion. I mean, uh her yeah. own experiences I think shaped her in a way that uh is different. And I think that that is is important is that we have people who have lived life and gone through mm-hmm. some real shit that represent us in Congress, not people who are are cushy legacy, you know, Ivy League babies that 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 are taking over their daddy's seat. You know, because your yeah. daddy had the seat for 30 years.
1: Anybody in particular you're talking about?
2: All those bastards.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, Gary, how do you join Suncoast Normal?
1: Do you know? I know how you can join Suncoast Normal. How do you know? All you have to do is take a look at this. It is, <laughs> there it is. This one right here. SuncoastNormal.org slash membership. And you can join for a mere $25, get a really, really cool pin that looks like this. And by the way, this is more popular than having a congressional lapel pin. I can guarantee it.
0: Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's how we do cool shit like this. Like having Rep Mace and Tommy Chong on our podcast and going to Tallahassee and Gary putting on those bills and stuff like that. Um, it's how we survive and it's how we throw these cool events that we're about to throw.
1: Yeah. And to all the press who are listening in today, feel free to use any of her quotes, any of our quotes, and if you want to get stuff you don't want to print, you can contact me.
2: You know, and you know, on that note, uh, please join us for our membership meeting this Thursday. It's over Zoom. Uh, Real simple to to connect with us, Uh, you know, get to meet our membership, uh, have a really open forum where you can connect with other patients, other caregivers, other advocates. And, of course, come to the Tampa Bay Cannabis Business Expo uh, next month, April 23rd. We still have some vendor spots available going for only $50. So if you have a small business, if you're hiring... $50 and you can come set up a table, set up chairs, set up a tent, sell your wares, uh, you know, interview folks for a job at your small business, uh, come on down. We even have uh, uh, some we were talking
0: about uh, no
1: sash so no sash. So.
0: We were we were talking about becoming a member, and I, I don't think people realize if you're a member of Suncoast Normal, you can get a table for just twenty five bucks. That's
2: yes, right. we have a member discount twenty five bucks if you're already a member of Suncoast Normal to set up a vendor table at the Tampa Bay Cannabis Business Expo. You want to be there, you want to do it. Contact us. Uh, this is the last week to get your vendor spots in, so get it
1: done. And how do you get on the on the uh, membership meeting this Thursday?
2: Uh, it's over Zoom. You can go to our website, suncoastnormal.org, and you can go ahead and click the link to RSVP on the Zoom link to our membership meeting Thursday evening at 7 p.m. Eastern.
0: And there's the website.
1: There you go. And, yeah. and, and, and scout around a bit. You'll, you'll find all the, extra, all the other archived episodes also of the rotation, so you get a chance to see us talking to all the greats, like like Malcolm mcKinnon and and at that forth. And speaking of that, program note, who do we have next week, Chris? Well, next week, we're going to
2: be inviting uh, your community activist, Connie Burton, who is currently seeking an open seat on the Tampa City Council via appointment by the other council members. Uh, Connie has been an advocate uh, on the ground in Tampa for many, many years, advocating uh, for the African-American community and really addressing the issues of uh, police misconduct and police brutality uh, among our local community. And I'm proud to have Connie on and, and to discuss those issues and what her views are, should she be the only woman appointed to the Tampa City Council? That would be cool.
0: Okay, well, bye everybody. All
2: right,
1: Catch you next <laughs> out, guys. Okay, one two, more
0: time. Two hours of show today. Awesome. Uno, bye everybody.
1: Una otra vez. Double header.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh
1: yeah. This has been the rotation and you have been a part of it. You can be a bigger part of it by joining Suncoast Normal. Suncoast Normal is an organization that can help you make the change that we all need. Go to the Suncoast Normal website and become a member because that is how you become part of the change.
0: You can find the Rotation Podcast on both SoundCloud and iTunes but you can always join us in the rotation at suncoastnormal.org. At that very website, you can join the cannabis movement by becoming a member of Suncoast Normal, gain access to cannabis events, cannabis info, Normal's legal network, and even a free membership to National. all by joining Suncoast Normal. That website, again, is suncoastnorml.org. You can also find us on social media at suncoastnormal. Uh, Find us on both Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And thank you, Gary, and good night. Good night.